Hey, Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 4. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. I just, uh, do you have any questions for me? Um, no, I'm excited to have this interview. This is like a whole new twist, you know, like I love being on the organic gardener. I love talking about gardens and how we incorporate that into the programs at the general barn. This is going to be a fun interview. Cool. Well, um, I guess I'll just introduce you and we'll go from there. Okay. Thank you. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022, Palindrome Day. And I have somebody I am so excited to talk to. Like I saw her on Good Morning America like a month ago, and I have not been able to stop thinking about her, her farm, her barn. I want to do a fundraiser for her, their place that I will tell you guys about later. If, if like, I don't know, we'll get into that later, but She's written an amazing book that I read called My Gentle Barn, Where Animals Heal and Children Learn to Hope. Um, that's just a super inspirational um, read. She's one of the best people on the planet. She's going to dazzle us today. You won't believe all the hard work they've done and the great things that they have going on. I'm so thankful we caught the news that morning and, and heard your story and everything you're doing because it's so near and dear to my heart like mental health i've never thought is needed so much as right now in our country and you are addressing mental health of animals and people at the same time it's just amazing i love you ellie lax and welcome to the show oh my god thank you for all those kind words and thank you so much for having me well, when I first started your book, I was like, we have so much in common, but then I realized that we don't really like you, you've just lived this amazing life and, and you do so much for people and for animals. And I want to rescue cow, although I'm still not hundred percent sure I'm ready for a cow, but I love my chickens and, um, and, and, uh, anyway, go ahead and tell listeners because I know uh, quite a bit about you but um, they don't know anything or maybe they saw maybe they do but go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself sure um well I was born an animal lover I think most of us are um I was obsessed with animals and they were always my best teachers healers and friends they helped me navigate the challenges of growing up they helped me feel seen and heard and feel like I had value and worth they saved my lives many, many times. So, uh, but what I noticed as a child is that the people around me didn't see animals the way that I did. Um, And it perplexed me, I didn't understand it. So by the time I was seven, I would tell everyone that when I grew up, I was gonna have a big place full of animals and I was gonna show the world how beautiful they are. And that remained a dream for a really long time because I didn't know how to start it or what the first step would be. Um, And then when I was a young adult, I discovered a petting zoo I'd never seen before and went in just to be nosy. And to make a very long story short, I ended up rescuing animals from that petting zoo and bringing them home to my little half acre backyard, resuscitating them with the help of a mobile vet. And before I knew it, I had a little backyard full of animals and I realized I'd started my dream. And that was 23 years ago. And now do you have, do you guys have three spread around the country or like are there other gentle barns or like Cause you're in California, right? But isn't there one in Tennessee and one in Missouri too? 
Yes. And so the Gentle Barn is a 23-year-old national organization. We are located in Los Angeles, California, St. Louis, Missouri, and Nashville, Tennessee. We rescue animals that have nowhere else to go. We bring them in and rehabilitate them and heal their bodies and their hearts. We're home to horses, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, turkeys, peacocks, llamas, emus, donkeys, parrots, a pigeon, and dogs. Um, and then once we can rehabilitate them, if we can find the home of their own, uh, we do. And we have a big adoption program all over the United States and into Canada. But most of the animals need ongoing care for the rest of their lives because they come in so damaged that they're not really adoptable. And so when they're not adoptable, we give them sanctuary with us for the rest of their lives. And then when they're ready, we partner with them to heal people from the same stories of trauma and connect them to the love and magic of animals. And that was what the, the GMA thing I saw was about. It was about um, people coming to hug cows and getting like, do you want to talk about that? Or talk about whatever you want. <laughs> um, well, basically we have several programs at the Gentle Barn. We're open to the public on Sundays in all three locations. So people can come and hug the cows, cuddle the turkeys, give the pigs tummy rubs, hold the chickens, scratch the, the goats and sheep hear their stories of resilience. Then of course we have private tours, school field trips and birthday parties that we host during the weekend on Saturdays. And our favorite program, or at least my favorite program and what you saw in Good Morning America is our cow hug therapy program. So for 23 years, the only rule at the Gentle Barn is that whoever comes to visit has to hug a cow. Um, hugging a cow grounds us, centers us, relaxes us, um, and really kind of brings us back to ourselves. And it's incredibly healing. So we've been using that with groups of foster children, uh, people that live in the inner city and that are underserved, uh, people who have special needs. We've been using it for teens in um, drug and alcohol rehab centers and probation camps, uh, domestic violence shelters, war veteran centers, really anyone out there that's in real crisis. For the last 23 years, they've been coming to the Gentle Barn and getting those incredible healing cow hugs that open them up, soften them, help them become vulnerable and open and allow them to, to start the healing process. But in the last two years, because of the pandemic, we have noticed more and more kind of quote unquote normal people that are not like obviously in crisis, really reaching out to the gentle barn saying, when are you going to reopen? We need to come back to the gentle barn. We need a cow hug. And so just before our organization reopened uh, from the pandemic, we started doing cow hug therapy sessions for individuals that were either in crisis or just were isolated, lonely, depressed, suffering from anxiety, or just anyone across the globe that just needed a really, really good hug. And what it did for people was it allowed them to wash away the previous years and move forward with hope and strength. And, and it's just, it's a meat, like, I don't know, like, so we've had chickens at our plate. My husband and I have been married, it'll be 30 years in two, I don't know, soon. And wow. uh, next year, 2023, it'll be 30 years. And um, we had chickens for most of that time, but I never really had anything to do with the chickens because I didn't like keeping them in a pen. So they were like my husband's, they were here for the manure. We always said the eggs were like the bonus on top. And then, I don't know, a year, two years ago, we got 
I got little chi- I don't know I fell in love with the chickens and like I was like all of a sudden they became pets and I wanted to hold them and like I like I was like wow I didn't even realize the chicken was soft and and then we ended up having a grizzly bear come through and got the chickens but anyway um so we don't have pets we can't until we figure out the electric fencing thing we, we don't have them here but once we do like i just i just never thought that holding a chicken like even when they were here like living on our property for years i never went down i never touched them we never had anything to do with them and that like was so changing to me like eventually i had this little one called i called him little eagle and he would like sit on my shoulder while like i was working on my computer or like because when the grizzly bear first came through the first time we would like bring them in and they would like sleep in our bathtub at night like they he didn't get them the first time and uh and we keep them like cat cages and then we just put them out every morning we had two left and then uh but then eventually uh anyway i just i just couldn't believe how much that chicken meant to me and like so now i'm like oh maybe we should get a cow but i i'm just not sure but it's amazing what animals like i'm a city girl i never thought i would be like i've always been a dog lover my friend calls me the crazy dog lady but i don't know so i just like I just feel like that's so essential and then what you do for the kids and for these people that are like I just think I feel like you and I have a lot of connection because like when somebody commits a crime the first thing I think is like something's wrong with their mental health like a normal human wouldn't do that it's not nor and and something's wrong and they didn't get their mental health needs met and I feel like you are helping people meet their mental health needs and and helping change heart there's so many stories in your book about kids who would come there and they'd be like these really hard kids who don't want to trust and don't want to and are just struggling and then by the time they leave they would either be holding a turkey or you know petting a horse that was scared and like you go through all these steps of how to approach a horse that's scared or or an animal that that needs rehabilitating yeah i think animal first of all i'm so sorry about what happened to your chickens that's awful um, and they do make amazing family members. We've had a lot of chickens that grew up in our house when we rescue them when they're orphaned and babies and too young to be in the barnyard. And they know their names and come call, coming running when you call yeah. them. They're very affectionate and will choose to sit in your lap and want to be with us, follow us around. Um, they have huge, huge personalities that I think the world has yet to discover. So totally. we're trying, yeah, we're trying our best at the Gentle Barn to really show the world how amazing chickens are because they, they are, you know, when, if, if we don't pay attention to them, they kind of grow up being independent and just doing their thing. So it's very easy to detach from them and think they don't have a personality or intelligence because they're kind of doing their own thing. But when you have an experience and an opportunity to love a chicken and call them by name and be intimate in a house, you really realize that there's no difference between them and any dog. They are intelligent. They are affectionate. They have a huge developed language. Um, they, they want to be with you. They want affection and they're wonderful. So I agree with you. Chickens are amazing. And I, my mother like that going down and, and changing out the cat poop carrier every day and putting fresh straw in there and then and then going and getting them at the end of the night like that was always something that like I would normally like dread and be like oh my gosh I gotta do this every day and I couldn't believe how much I look forward to it and just like the whole taking care of an animal in that way was so new to me yeah and, like, you know you're giving so many people that opportunity I think that when we're with animals, we are the best versions of ourselves, right? Because 
we're caressing them gently, we're holding them gently, our bodies soften, our voices quiet. Um, there's something about the way that I feel when I'm near an animal. I feel lovable. I feel kind and compassionate. I feel like a good person. And it helps remind me that I am indeed a really good person. And so I think that's one of the things that animals bring to us is they allow us to be the best versions of ourselves. They allow us to feel unconditional love because they're loving us with no judgment. Um, they allow us to take care of someone else so we can have a purpose, right? Because in caring for others, we find our purpose, we find that we have value and it makes us feel important. It helps us get up in the morning because we have someone else that we have to take care of. Um, and then just, of course, you know, the warmth they give us, falling asleep on our laps, allowing us to hold them and kiss them, allowing us to hug them. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And animals can heal us and reach the darkest places within us sometimes much more effectively than talking therapy can do. I know. I, I just think like, oh, there's so many things I think. So did you say there was like a, a garden piece to talk about? When people come to the gentle barn, interacting with the animals, of course, is a key part of their program. Holding smaller animals and practicing empathy, hugging cows so that they can be vulnerable and open, working with the horses to practice leadership skills and confidence. Those are all really, really important. But we also have a garden here at the gentle barn and in all three locations where people can come and we can work with these kids that are from the inner city. They're, you know, our, our world is being covered up in concrete, right? I mean, some of the people that we work with, oh they're God. lucky to oh even God. have trees in their neighborhood, right? So we're disconnected from nature. We're disconnected from wild creatures. And so the point of coming to the gentle barn is to reconnect with mother earth and reconnect with nature. And so a garden is a very, very key component. We have kids come in, they get to put their hands in mother earth, they get to plant seeds and little little saplings. They get to water the garden and care for the garden. They get to watch these plants grow and they get to watch the food grow. And then at the end of the program, we go into the garden, they harvest the tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, potatoes, greens, and we bring all of it into our house. And together we get to make a big, beautiful meal with these kids we give them some produce to take home to their families and they get to learn about real food. They get to learn about real nutrition. They get to put their hands and connect with nature and they get to have the sense of achievement that they nurtured something. They made something grow and they reap the rewards of that something and got to eat it and taste it and fill their bodies with health. A lot of the kids that we work with, if it doesn't come on a Big Mac, Big Mac in McDonald's, they don't know what it is. So aside from lettuce and tomato and pickles, they've never tasted beets. They've never pulled a carrot out of the ground. They've never ate a big, huge, rich salad with lots of different greens and veggies. And so to talk about proper nutrition and that our food ultimately comes from the garden is a key, a key component of our work here at the Gentle Barn. So do you grow food to feed the animals too? 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you for reminding me. So in addition to being able to make a meal and bring produce home to their families, uh, yes, they get to harvest the garden and we bring it into the barnyard. We feed carrots to the horses and donkeys. Uh, we do big pumpkin parties where we smash the pumpkins open and the pigs and the goats and the sheep and the chickens and the turkeys get to eat the pumpkins and eat the greens. So again, it's another form of learning how to take care of somebody, right? They've grown this beautiful garden. They've picked all the produce and they've brought it into the barnyard and they get to watch delighted as the animals party on these vegetables and they get this sense of pride that they not only grew the fruits and vegetables, but now they're feeding the animals. And so again, it's the sense of purpose and give back where really that's the real joy in life. The real joy in life is not making money, getting a big house, buying a big car, having lots of things. That might be a temporary um, joy, but the real joy of life is being able to give back to others and have a purpose serving others. And we plant those seeds and start that job here at the Gentle Barn in our garden. I just wanna cry every time I hear everything you're saying, cause it's, it's just so true. And it's sad that there are kids and also like their memories, they're never gonna forget. Like I can still remember being a kid and we would go down to like, there was a market that my parents would go to and while they were shopping, we could take the greens, the tops of the carrots and go feed the rabbits in the cages behind. Cause it was like a market that was like at a real farm. Even though I grew up in New York, like outside of New York city on Long Island, there was still this, it's not there anymore, but when we were kids and, and just like the memories that you're like changing their lives because you're like, you're saying you're, you're making them see that they can have a purpose and they, they can grow up and serve and, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, life can be different. And, and it's not all about just who makes the most money. Yeah. Better ways to live. And just, I just think what you're doing, and you guys have overcome a lot of obstacles to get where you are and your, your perseverance and your, your dedication. And you're making this sound a lot easier than I know it was like after reading the book and all the things and, and all the animals and how you, you know, first you started with like a horse here or a goat or, you know, different um, places and, and, dog wasn't there something like you, you took like 200 dogs at one point that were like needed homes and and found them homes and 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 then also like we have in common like I can't stand like any kind of like you say when the vet comes you have to like kind of close your eyes and maybe, maybe things have changed because you've been doing it a while but I'm super squeamish about any of that kind of thing but yet you've helped all these animals it's just amazing thank you uh, I'm squeamish as well. <laughs> um, I've had to get through some tough circumstances where, you know, an animal's needed surgery or an, somebody gets injured or a new rescue comes in and they're like bleeding out or something. And I've had to jump in and assist in a lot of surgeries and veterinary procedures that I otherwise would not have chosen to do, but in a life-saving situation, I've had to. And it's incredible what you can get through when you have to. Um, and yeah, we've had a lot of challenges at the Gentle Barn. Um, I started in my little half acre backyard, um, but I didn't have a real means or a plan on how to finance the animals that I was bringing in. Um, so, you know, most people, they raise the money, they start their 501c3, they kind of get everything organized, and then they bring the animals in. Well, for me, it was the exact opposite. I started bringing the animals in and then realized, oh, God, now I got to put this foundation together, raise the money and try to figure out how to do this. And so it was a little bit backwards. 
I'm kind of grateful though, because I think that if I had waited to have everything planned, I probably never would have done it. But because I found this abusive petting zoo and started bringing animals home, it launched me into having to figure out how to finance it and how to organize it. And so it made me do it. So I'm very grateful to be doing this dream every single day. And yeah, we had a lot of financial challenges in the beginning. We maxed out 20 credit cards. Um, we refinanced the house five times. I mean, anything to continue feeding these animals and paying for vet care and being able to continue our programming. And there were some really tough years and there was some, I mean, eventually in 2005, we thought we had lost it all and we were going to have our property sold and we were just going to give it all up because we were in so much financial hardship. And um, it was actually a realtor that was going to sell the Gentle Barn property and help us buy land further north where we could keep the animals that we had already rescued, but not take any more close down the gentle barn and our programs. And then me and my husband, co-founder of the gentle barn, Jay Weiner would just go get, you know, jobs and take care of the animals that we already had. And it was the realtor that heard the story that refused to sell our house. And she said, you can't give this up. You have to keep trying. And she was our guardian angel. And she insisted that we keep trying. And here we are 23 years later today because of her. How did the other two places come about? The one in, in Tennessee and in Kansas City, right? Um, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so we, we had always wanted to go national and we would sit in board meetings talking about like, oh, let's go to New York, let's go to Chicago, let's go to like to these big cities. Um, but, you know, we were working on getting our finances kind of ready and our our filing ready and just getting the board of directors kind of ready to make that step. Well, while we were trying to kind of prepare for it, somebody called us from Nashville, Tennessee, saying that they had a, that they knew of a cow that had lost his foot and he was hobbling around on three legs and he was in a lot of pain and the farmer was going to send him to slaughter and she wanted to save his life. And so she called around to 200 other rescues, but nobody would help, nobody could help. And so she called us all the way in California and said, I know this is crazy, we're so far away from each other, but this is the situation going on. Can you at least give me some advice on how to save this cow? Well, my husband and co-founder of the Gentle Barn, Jay Weiner, heard the call and he started doing research to find a bovine sur surgeon in the area and to also find a company that would make a prosthetic foot. And once he had put those things in place, he told me, come on, we're going to Tennessee. We're going to save this, this cow, Dudley. So we went to Nashville, Tennessee, and we saved Dudley, and we brought him to UT Knoxville for five months where they did amputations and surgeries, and they made the prosthetic foot, and they acclimated Dudley to the prosthetic. And once he was ready to be discharged, we toyed with the idea of bringing him home to California, but knew that that was not only a very, very long drive, but also, you know, we live in a desert here in California and we worried about the little grains of sand getting into the prosthetic and causing problems. And so we ended up opening a gentle barn for Dudley in Tennessee. And that was uh, seven years ago. Um, and then we had no 
we had no dreams of going to St. Louis, even though I had actually grown up in St. Louis, Missouri. And when I was seven years old and telling everyone that I was going to have this beautiful big place full of animals when I grew up, that was actually while I lived in St. Louis when I was seven years old. Um, but I, I still didn't have any dreams of going back there until there were six cows five years ago that were, they, they escaped from a slaughterhouse and they were running through the streets of St. Louis. And the authorities by the end of the day rounded them up and sent them back to the slaughterhouse. But by then it was such big national news that everybody wanted the cows to live. And a small part of the community got together and started to go fund me to raise money for their freedom and convinced the slaughterhouse owner to release them to a sanctuary. And so finally the owner announced that he was gonna release them to a sanctuary. And we're watching this on national news from California. And we thought, oh, happy, happy ending. But for the four next days, no sanctuary showed up and no one came to get those cows. And so on the fourth day, the slaughterhouse owner said, that's it, I'm not gonna wait anymore. I'm gonna slaughter them in the morning. And our phone started ringing with people saying, please, the money, their freedom money is sitting right there. The owner is able, is willing to release them. You can't let these cows die for nothing. And so um, Jay jumped on a red-eye flight and flew through the night and got there in time to stop their slaughter in the morning, brought them to the hospital to be treated for their various injuries and infections, found a foster home to hold them while Jay and I decided what to do with them next. At this point, I went to meet them and they just were so full of life and so intelligent. And I just absolutely knew that they had come with a story to share with the world and we had to help them. And so we start, we found a property, we started our own GoFundMe and we raised the money to open a gentle barn in St. Louis, Missouri. And that was five years ago. But who, who runs that then? Like you hired people to like take over the farm or? Yeah. So the gentle barn owns all three locations and we just hire staff to live on the property and, and take care of the animals. And Jay and I travel to the other, the Tennessee and Missouri location once a month. So we're always there. We oversee the animals. And of course, while we're in California, we're on the phone with them all the time. So we, we kind of run it, oversee it and manage it while their boots on the ground over there. Do you want to talk about, like, in your book, like, that's another thing I just love about you. You are so committed to your daughter, right? And, yeah. um, and you, and there's times where you want to go do something, but Jay kind of has to step in and do things because you're like, I'm not leaving my baby. There's a thing about the bond between a mother and the children, and I need to be here. I think one of the greatest lessons that the animals have taught me is about mothering. Um, I felt alone a lot as a child. Um, I felt kind of disconnected from my parents a lot. And so when I had my son, Jesse, 23 years ago, I loved him with all my heart and soul. But by the time he was two, I put him in daycare and kind of caused a disconnect between us. Now, we have since healed that, but I really wasn't aware of what I was doing until later. Um, when I, when I was taught in therapy, how I had created a disconnect between us because of my own childhood and I learned how to become a better mom. And so when my daughter Cheyenne was born, who is now 16, I was a much more dedicated parent. And 
you know, animals know how to mother. I think it's our society that can be quite lost, but animals truly, truly know how to mother. And if you look at chickens, cows, horses, if you look at those animals, you'll find that they actually never leave their babies. Uh, they nurse them for a really long time until the babies wean themselves. They are with their babies 24 seven. They're very, very, very protective. Some of the animal species have help with the other members of the family that help kind of watch over them and protect them. And it becomes like a whole village that's raising these babies. Other species, it's more of a singular relationship between the mom and the baby. But regardless, if you look at the, the animal kingdom, they're always with their babies. They're very protective and nurturing. At a certain point when the baby's a little older, they start disciplining them to make sure that the baby has good manners and is humble and, um, and respectful. And they're really strong, really good moms. And by watching them, because sometimes we rescue pregnant animals or animals with small babies. And so I've spent, you know, 23 years in a barnyard watching these mothers raise their babies. And it has taught me so much about how I needed to step up better for my daughter, Cheyenne. And so for the first five years before she went to kindergarten, her and I were inseparable. If I had to do something, I did it with her. My focus was on her. My attention was on her. I spent the first three months of, of her life staring into her eyes. We literally laid in bed. We ate and slept and pooped. Well, she did, <laughs> but I spent those first three months staring into her eyes and filling her up and showing her through my gaze that she was everything. And then if there was something I had to do in the barnyard, I put on a little sling and she came with me. Um, when she was more mobile at the age of two, three, four, I have wonderful pictures of her kind of on a really, really overheated day, just jumping into the animal's waters and just bathing <laughs> and her climbing on the rails to learn coordination. And she grew up in the barnyard surrounded by these animals. And um, my fondest memories of her talking about chickens is when she was two years old, her and I would just sit in the barnyard and we would watch the chickens. And when we would listen to them talk and squawk, we would watch them chase bugs and roll around taking sun baths and sand baths. And we would always get a new batch of chickens when she was two and we would sit there, we would name them and we would have conversations about them. And she learned body parts. You know, this is an eye, this is an ear, this is a nose. She learned that by being in the barnyard. So those animals helped me raise her, but they also taught me how to be a much more dedicated, much more focused and much more present mommy. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, Ellie, I am so grateful for you. I learned so many lessons reading your book and, and just the more I know about you, I just, um, like I was saying in the beginning and I, I, and we can maybe, but I would love, like, I'm signed up to do this 6.2 mile 10K, and I want to raise $620 for the gentle barn. Like, I don't know how or somehow, but like, because there's, and I've never done anything like that before, but I just, I just think what you're doing, your message is so much more, and, and you've done a ton, but just, it's so important that people hear this and that if we could get our, our, world to and our country especially to realize the importance of moms being home or maybe it's the dad in the family I mean I was never one to, to I mean I never had my own kids but like 
I always said, my husband's going to stay home with the kids, but I just think it's so important for a parent to be there. And, and if you don't want to be that person, that's fine. But I just feel like we, it'd be worth our resources to figure out ways for, and, and you just have this great eloquent and, and passion for sharing your story and, and teaching people how important this is and, and making them see those connections. And I don't know, anyway. Thank um, you. Thank you. Is there you. anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about today or anything else you want to share? Like, um, I don't know. I guess I just would encourage everyone to come to a gentle barn near you, either in Los Angeles, California, St. Louis, Missouri, or Nashville, Tennessee. Come hug a cow, come hold a chicken, come give a pig a tummy rub and cuddle a turkey, hear their stories of resilience, look them in the eyes and realize that we are much more alike and connected than we are separated and different. Um, and if you can't come to a gentle barn, then come follow us on social media. Uh, the gentle barn is on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, and I think I would just ask everyone, what can we do today to be more gentle to all those around us, human and animal alike? Because when we can just be kind to everyone around us, if everyone does that, then there'll be much more love, much more peace and much more joy in this world. And that's what I work towards every day. And you're doing an amazing job. Thank you so much for sharing with us today and for sharing the world, your story and, and everything that you're doing. And just, um, I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And good luck on that run. Thank you for raising money for the gentle barn. We're very grateful. Oh, well, I'll, I'll figure out somehow some way to do this fundraiser for you guys, because I just, um, I just think it's so important. And um, I just, I just really value the work that you guys are doing. And, and the, I just think these are things that could make such an impact on our society by helping people get a hug. I mean, in, in today's day and world. So you have a wonderful day and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to share with us today and listeners definitely follow them on Facebook or TikTok or whatever social media channel you like. And, and then after you follow them for a while, you're gonna be like, I got to go hug one of those cows or meet one of those turkeys and read her book and, and leave it a review on Amazon and share it on Instagram and, and do all the things. So thank, thank you, Ellie. Thank you so much. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and remember, grow local.